Amen. Wonderful. Heavenly Father, I pray now as we approach the preaching of your word, I pray, Lord, that you would give me power of the Holy Spirit, give me wisdom, uh, give me a clear mind. I sure do want to be a blessing. Uh, This morning, I want to be a help to those who have come to hear your word preached. And I pray, Lord, that I can do that in a way that would be pleasing to you and, Lord, would be helpful to us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I want to preach this morning on the subject of precious things, precious things. Uh, Various uh, age groups were asked what was the most precious things uh, in their life, Uh, what were the most precious things uh, in their life. And uh, a younger group of people, uh, they said this, uh, my engagement ring, Uh, my computers and hard drive, uh, all the information that I have stored, I guess that would be 4,822,000 pictures or something like that. Uh, Third of all, their house, their car, and their clothes. Uh, Those were the five things that were the most precious. Uh, uh, An older group of folks were asked, what are the things that are most precious to you? And they listed family first. And uh, after family, they listed their friends, and then they listed their job. Uh, Many listed God or their relationship with God, and then their possessions. I want to show you five things that we have this morning that are spiritual possessions. And uh, you want to make note of them, and that's why I wanted you to have your Bible open, uh, because we're going to see the word precious five different times. You may want to underline or mark those in your Bible, and we'll make note of those. Now, enjoy the writer, Peter. A uh, preacher asked me, I was preaching in Dallas uh, yesterday and uh, Friday, I got back late last night, and a preacher asked me, he said, have you heard of this author? And he named an author, and I said, no, I haven't heard of him. Uh, he didn't ask me, have you heard of this book? He asked me about the author, uh, because most of the time when we hear an author, uh, that is a description or a definition of what we can expect in the book. Well, the book of Peter, of course, written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is a very helpful book. In fact, there are two letters written by Peter that we have, First Peter and Second Peter. Now, Peter was probably the most uh, colorful, uh, the most experienced apostle of the Lord Jesus. Uh, Peter caused a little trouble now and again. Uh, I've always said if I'm picking teams, I want Peter on my side. Uh, While he sometimes caused trouble, he did get work done when he was working. And, uh, but Peter, he was a colorful person. I think you would uh, remember that Peter uh, was called from uh, being a commercial fisherman uh, to following Christ. And Jesus said to him, if you'll follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And he gave uh, his life uh, for giving the gospel. Uh, Peter's personality is interesting. We would describe him as bold. Uh, We would describe him as brash and maybe even sometimes a bit brazen. It was Peter that when they came to arrest Jesus, cut the ear off of uh, the Lord, uh, uh, off of uh, the soldier that was coming to arrest Jesus. 
And I don't think he was trying to cut his ear off. I don't. I think he was trying to cut his head off and he ducked. That's what I think. And, uh, but that's what kind of person Peter was. Uh, Peter had some failures in life. In fact, he made the greatest comeback as a Christian. Uh, Peter actually got to the place uh, under pressure that he denied even, even knowing the Lord. In fact, he cursed and he swore uh, so that they would think that certainly he's not a Christian. Uh, they would think uh, he is an unconverted man because of the way he talked. Uh, but Peter, he made a great comeback and Peter was used uh, to preach the sermon on the day of Pentecost in uh, Acts chapter 2 where there are 3,000 saved and baptized and added to the church. Peter was that, uh, uh, was that preacher. Uh, when, uh, uh, when Jesus rose from the grave and word was beginning to spread that Jesus is risen, uh, Jesus said, go tell the disciples and Peter. He singled him out. So Peter was a, a colorful, uh, very experienced apostle. If we heard a man like Peter was coming to Lexington uh, to speak, he's the kind of fellow we'd go hear. We'd want to hear from him. Uh, Peter was arrested. Uh, he was put in prison. In fact, Herod condemned him to death. He said, uh, we're going to kill this preacher. And the church prayed for Peter, and in the night, it's an interesting story. All the stories about Peter are interesting. They're just above average. Uh, when Peter's involved, um, you would think while the church is up all night praying for Peter uh, to somehow not be killed because he's in prison, they're going to execute him. Uh, the angel, an angel of God, comes to deliver Peter from the prison, you know what Peter's doing? Sound asleep. He's asleep in the jail. I mean, he's asleep, and all of his friends are having an all-night prayer meeting, and Peter doesn't seem to be worried, uh, but, but he's asleep. The angel wakes Peter up, and he uh, takes the shackles off of him, and he leads him out. Uh, what an uh, interesting person uh, Peter was. Uh, Peter then writes a letter, and later a second letter, to a specific group of people. He was writing to Christians that were scattered abroad because of persecution. Uh, they were scattered because of persecution. And Peter writes a letter and later a second letter to them for two reasons. He writes to encourage them and then he writes to give them instruction. Sometimes in our culture, we don't understand the full impact of the scripture because our life is very blessed. Now, there's nothing wrong with being blessed there's something very wrong with being blessed and not being thankful, but there's nothing wrong with being blessed. Sometimes we don't understand and fully appreciate the Scripture because these people were not worried about tax-exempt status or losing their voting rights. They worried about losing their heads because of being a Christian. And so Peter writes to them to encourage them. And one of the things that Peter tells them, and you find a theme that goes through these two letters of Peter, you'll find the word precious. You'll find the word precious five times. Now some of them, many of them, they'd lost their homes. They were scattered abroad, so they no longer had their house. Uh, many of them, they lost their possessions uh, because of the persecution. They were scattered abroad, and they didn't have their possessions. They had no house. They had no car. Uh, they, they had no possessions anymore. But Peter tells them there's some things that you do have that you need to pay attention to. Now, I want you this morning to add these five precious things to the things that you may consider in your life to be valuable or to be precious. 
there perhaps in about everybody's home, a hiding place, maybe even a safe or something like that, where you have things that are valuable, uh, that are tucked away in that safe or tucked away uh, in a corner uh, because it's uh, precious or because it's special. As a child of God, you and I not only have an inheritance in heaven, we're blessed on earth. I'm going to give you five things. First of all, they're precious trials. Why well, you say, preacher, that don't sound too precious. Let me explain it. Look, at, if you will, at verse number seven. He says this, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth. I want you to underline or circle the word precious and the word trial. So we have precious trials. Now we may look at a valley or we may look at a trial or we may look at a problem and wish that that wasn't happening in our lives. But Peter describes trials as being a refiner's fire that while it's not enjoyable to go into, it's not enjoyable to go through, we always come out for the better on the other side. Now hear me well, hear me well, God knows every trial that you're in. In fact, he put you in them. Are you listening to me this morning? He put us in the trial. Nobody, I'm not promoting trials. I'm not for trials. I don't enjoy any trial. But I always enjoy what happens when I go through the trial with God because the trial is a refining fire. Many of you are here today saved and on your way to heaven because of a trial. Maybe a trial that challenged or even threatened to take your life away and you said, I better get things straightened out. I better get to God. I better trust Christ as Savior. I'm going to end up dead if I, don't, uh, if I don't give my life to God. And it was a trial that brought you to church and it was a trial that brought you to Christ. It is usually in the trials where we, where we are reminded of some of the greatest blessings of life. In the trial, I'm reminded Jesus is always with me. Hebrews 13, 5. In the trial, we're reminded that we're not alone. In the trial, we are reminded that even in the valleys, those are planned by Him. Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, uh, to them who are the called according to His purpose. In trials, we're reminded uh, that they are uh, what help us to grow in the Lord. You see, when I go through a trial, I search the Scripture. When I go through the trial, I spend time in prayer. When I go through a time of difficulty, it brings me closer to God. I've thought of this story a thousand times over. A man said to my father, uh, he uh, got cut at work. He worked for the Kentucky West Virginia Power Company, and he, and he cut his arm, and it was a, quite a severe cut. And he said, I started praying, Lord, help me. He said, I was on the way, uh, on the way to the hospital and, and the artery had been cut but had not opened up, but all of a sudden it did. And he said, I went from bleeding to really bleeding, really bleeding bad. And he said this, boy, then I really started praying. You ever been to that level in life where you prayed and then all of a sudden you really started praying? I mean, you weren't thinking about nothing else but prayer. It's trials that bring us to faith in God. It's, it's trials that increase our faith and our trust in Him. You see, the disciples would have never known Jesus could walk on the water if there hadn't been a storm. 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would have never known the presence of God in the fire had they not been cast into the fire. Mary and Martha would have never known the personal love of Jesus had their brother Lazarus not died. And not only of his personal love, as the Bible says, John eleven thirty five, 35, that Jesus wept and they recognized that Jesus loved them, but they also recognized he was in fact the power of life as he raised Lazarus from the grave. That came about from a broken-hearted, difficult trial. And I want to say to you here this morning, and there are those of you that I know personally, you've been in the trial and you're going through a trial of life. May I tell you, it could be that the precious trial that God has allowed in your life will be the trial that will bring about the most blessings that you'll ever enjoy in this life. So we have precious trials. Not enjoyable to go into. Not enjoyable to go through. But they're a help as God delivers us from and through those trials. Take your Bibles and go to chapter 1, verse number 19. Number 19, it may be the next page or further down. The Bible uses, uh, uh, Peter used the word precious again. This time the Bible says, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Uh, Peter says the one thing that they cannot take from you while they may take your home away and your Christians that are scattered abroad and they may take, their, they may take your family from you and you may lose your local church. Uh, you still have those precious trials that produce blessings and second of all, you always have the precious blood of Christ that set you free from your sin. Aren't you glad this morning for the precious blood of Christ. You say, preacher, why does the blood matter? Because life is in the blood. And you and I have sinned. We've sinned against God and we're born of sinful man. There's no way we can produce a perfect being. Our children are born sinners. We don't teach them to sin or teach them how to sin. They're born knowing sin. That is our nature. Sin is our nature. Ah, but we're born again and we're redeemed by the precious blood of Christ. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 19, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world but was manifest or made visible, manifest in these last times for you. I'm glad this morning for the precious blood of Christ of the things that you would consider precious this morning, of the things that you would consider valuable this morning, add to them these five spiritual precious things. First of all, the precious trials that we go through. Second of all, be thankful for the precious blood of Christ. Several things I could say about that. First of all, it is the price of redemption. It is the proof of God's love. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5 and verse number 8, But God commendeth His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It is not only the price of redemption, it is not only the proof of God's love, it is the power that can wash away our sin. Our sins are not washed away by the water in the baptistry. 
That doesn't have anything to do with washing sin away. Baptism is a picture of the death. That's the cross when we stand in the water. It's a picture of the burial of Christ as we go under the water. And when we're raised again, it's a picture of the fact that Christ rose again from the grave. The water doesn't wash away our sin. It's the precious blood of Christ that washes away our sin. I'm saved because of the blood shed on Calvary, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We make much of the cross of Christ in our churches. We have a cross here this morning, and that reminds us of the fact that it was a rugged cross that Christ died on. But it's not the cross that saves me. It's the precious blood of Christ that was shed on Calvary that saves me from my sin. It is the power of God to wash away my sin. The songwriter said, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fountain, I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Thankful for the precious blood of Christ. I'm thankful for the precious trials. I do not enjoy them no matter how many times I've come through. And I'm thankful for those trials. As I enter into another trial, it's difficult. Ah, but it's in those trials that I say, Oh God, I need your help again. Oh God, I need your wisdom. Oh God, I need your strength. I need you to help me. It's in the trials, those precious trials that bring us close to him. It's the precious blood of Christ that gives us salvation. Now go to chapter 2. I want to show you something else in the safe that is secured in heaven's safe for us. And that is our precious Savior, the person himself. Chapter 2, notice if you will, in verse number 6. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious. And he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Circle the word precious, if you will. The Bible says in verse number 7, Unto you therefore which believe, he is Precious. There's that word again, precious. Circle that word. And it is beside the pronoun he, speaking of the person of Christ, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. Jesus tells us, or Peter tells us, that Jesus himself is precious to us. Now the word precious does not mean just of great value, though it's included. It means rare. The word precious also means rare. And so Christ is precious. He is not only valuable, he is rare. He's not just rare, he's the only one. There's not three saviors or five or six. There's only one Jesus. There's only one Savior. I heard a preacher say some time ago, he said, you'll notice that sin always comes in packages because sin never satisfies. But when you got Jesus, you got just one because one is all you need. Jesus will not only save, but he'll satisfy your soul. Jesus is precious. Jesus is precious to the saints of God. I could give you a long list. Let me give you some of these. And let me stir our hearts a bit, if I may, about our Savior being precious. He's precious, first of all, because He loves me. He loved me where I was, and He loves me where I am. 
Are you listening to me? When I was in the depths of sin, He loved me. He loves me as a son. And when I fail Him, and when I falter, God still loves me. When I love Him, He loves me. When I'm obedient to Him, He loves me. When I don't love Him like I should, and when I don't serve Him like I should, and when I'm not surrendered as I should be, He still loves me. He doesn't love me because of who I am. He loves me because of who He is. And I love what Paul said as he wrote to the church or to the Christians at Rome. He said, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Mark your Bibles, if you will, there in First uh, Peter and turn your Bibles back to Romans chapter 8. I want you to know this morning, the devil that told you this week that uh, God doesn't love you, that devil is a liar. He's never done anything for you. But it was Jesus that died on the cross of Calvary. It was Jesus that paid the sin debt for you. It was Jesus that came when you couldn't go to where it was. He came to where you are. It was Jesus that set you free. It was Jesus that set you free from bondage. It was Jesus that gave you sight to see and ears to hear of the wonderful truth and the spiritual life that we have in Christ. Romans chapter 8, verse number 38. Let's just go ahead and read verse number 36. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that, do you see it, loved us. By the way, the devil will tell you, when you fail as a Christian, he'll say he doesn't love you anymore. I want to tell you something. If he loved you as a sinner, he's going to love you as a son. Verse 38, for I'm persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Make note of it, Christ is precious. Why is he precious? He's precious because he loves us. He's precious because not only he loves us, he's precious because he cares about us. 1 Peter 5 and verse number 7, the Bible says, Casting all your care on him, for he careth for you. Listen to me. If you have a care this morning, a worry, a burden, you can cast that care on him. What does that mean? Well, I may have a burden and I may say to Brother John, Brother John, I want you to help me with this burden. Would you pray for me? You know, it helps to have a friend that will care about your burden and that will pray about your burden. And when we have others, and John may come to me in a day or two and say, hey, I want you to know I've been praying for you. And I I, I trust things are going better. I've been praying for you. Ah, but listen to me. John has his own burdens, and we bear one another's burdens. Ah, but I can cast my cares on him, and he can carry every worry, every fear, every care. He can solve your problem. He can help you in the problem. Sometimes he doesn't take away a problem till he fixes us with the problem. Then he takes the problem away, casting all your care on him, for he careth for you. We have a precious Savior. 
Hebrews 4.15, the Bible says he understands our needs. That's why he's a precious Savior. Make note of Hebrews 4, verse number 15. We have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He was attempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. The Bible says we have a high priest that's touched with the, not just our infirmity, but the feeling of our infirmity. Have you been hungry? Jesus knows what you mean. Have you been thirsty? Jesus understands. Have you been forgotten and forsaken by your own friends? Jesus understands. Have you been cursed by those that sang your praises the week before on Palm Sunday? They laid down the palms of the, of the leaves of the trees and Jesus came in. Ah, but seven days later, they're crying, crucify him, crucify him. Jesus knows what it's like to be rejected by family and friends. Oh, and he knows and we can cast our care on him because he cares for us. I'm running out of time and I'm on number three. He's always near and able to help us. That's why he's precious. So we have precious trials. We have precious blood. We have a precious Savior. Go to 2 Peter now. 2 Peter, just a couple of more pages. Over 2 Peter chapter 1, we find again, as Peter talks to these Christians that are scattered abroad, they've lost their family, they've lost their friends, they've lost their possessions. Anything you would list as precious was on that list. It's now gone. Peter said there's a few precious things that the devil can't take away. There's a few precious things that the world can't take away. And one of those is your precious trials that show God's love in your life. A second is the precious blood that saves you from your sin. Third is a precious Savior that helps you in the time of need. Notice 2 Peter chapter 1 verse number 1. Uh, the Bible says uh, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ to them, ha who ha to them that have obtained like, here it is again, precious faith. Precious faith. I need 30 minutes. I'm going to take a minute and a half right here. Listen to this. Precious faith. I'm thankful for our belief system that is set up by the God of heaven. It was ordained before the foundation of the world. There are two ways that are taught in our world on how to go to heaven. One is work your way to heaven. Be good enough to go to heaven. Give enough to go to heaven. The other way is trust Christ as your Savior. Period. He paid your debt. He forgave your sin. He died in your place. Just trust His payment for your sin. There are two ways. You can either work your way to heaven uh, or try. You can try to be good enough to go to heaven or you can trust Christ as your Savior. He says, I'm thankful for precious faith because those that are trying to work their way to heaven, they never know if they've worked enough to get there. They never know if they've given enough to get there. They never know if they're good enough to get there. I know there's no way I could ever work my way to heaven. There's no way I could ever pay my way to heaven. There's no way I could be good enough to go to heaven. That's why I put my faith and trust in one who is not only good enough, he's perfect, he's sinless, he had no sin, he died on the cross to pay for my sin. And I have the blessed assurance because of this precious faith in Christ. I was talking to a man this past week about being saved and I said, if I ask you, if, if I was Jesus and you came to heaven and I said, why should I let you in? What would you tell me? He started thinking. He started thinking of the good things he'd done. He, he, he started thinking about the times he went to church. He didn't think about the times he missed church. 
He didn't think about bad things he did. He started thinking about the good things. I said, well, you know for sure you're going to heaven? You think that's good enough to get you there? He said, I'm worried about it. I said, can I help you know a way that you don't have any doubt, worry, and fear? You can know for sure you're going to heaven. He said, I sure would. I said, just put your faith and trust in one that's already paid the debt. Precious faith. Let me give you the last one in closing. I'm skipping two pages of a great sermon. Second Peter chapter 1, verse number 4. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious, there it is again, promises. These are precious things, though you may be scattered abroad, you may be separated from your church, you may be separated from your family, you may be separated from your possessions, you still have a few precious things left. And one of the precious things that you have here is the precious promises of God. There's a promise of His love in Romans 8. There's a promise of His presence in Matthew 28. There's a promise of His provision in Philippians 4.19. There's a promise of His grace in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 9. There's a promise of heaven in John chapter 14 and the promise that He's coming again. And I'm glad to know today that because of His precious promises, I have salvation in Christ. I'm secure in Him. And He's coming again to get me. Stand with me, if you will. I give you this thought. Possessions that are precious are kept close to us. Sometimes we don't even carry them in public because they're such a prized possession. We don't want to lose them. We don't want them to be hurt. Sometimes you get a new car and you're afraid to even drive it. You don't want it to get scratched up. Get a nice car, you want to put it in the garage because you want to keep that prized possession. You know the wonderful thing about the possessions of God and the precious things of God? You can share them with another and you don't lose any of them. The more you give them, the more they're multiplied in your life. Excuse me while I shout at the invitation time. If I give you of the money I have, I have less. But if I give you of the spiritual possessions, not only do you have what I have, I have more. He's a good God. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. If you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, quit trying to be good enough to go to heaven. Quit hoping you've given enough or done enough to go to heaven. And just say, thank God for the precious blood of Christ. Thank God for the precious promises of God. I'm just going to trust in Him today, once and for all, and forget it. My faith is in the Savior. You may be here today and going through a trial in your life. Trials are common. We go through them one after another and sometimes more than one at a time. But those trials that remind us of how much we need God and how good God is. Lord, bless our invitation, our time of prayer, our time of decision. I pray that you'd bless. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As he sings on the invitation song, the altar is open this morning. If you need to be saved, I want you to come. If you want to simply come and pray and say, Lord, help me through this trial, I promise you he will. You can find a place at the altar from one side of the building to the other. Put a bended knee at the altar and say, Lord, I need you. I need your help. I need the reminder of your love.
I need to know of your love and your forgiveness for me. Thank God for those precious things. These Christians were scattered abroad. You may ask, how much money do you have? God bless you. God bless you. Others are coming. You may have asked these Christians, how much possession, how much money? I don't have any money. They took it all. Is your family with you? No. Separated from family. Peter said, I want to remind you of a few precious things you still have. As he sings, the altar is open. God loves you. God wants to be near to you. He wants to help you through this trial of life. And this trial may be a trial ordered from God that would help you, a trial ordered from God to help you know and to remind you how much you need Him. Precious, precious. Again and again, Peter said, valuable, rare, uncommon, but it's yours. Burdens are lifted at Calvary. We come to a place of prayer, a time of prayer. God said, I'll meet you there. Draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh to you. We have a good God, don't we? And we're mighty blessed. We're mighty blessed. We're mighty blessed. One thing I forgot to do, among other things, I got in this new building and I'm still nervous and getting used to everything. And, and uh, though it's uh, very similar, I forgot to let the seniors go first. And, uh, you know, you don't want to make the seniors mad. And, uh, but anyway, I, I forgot that. I've forgotten other things. But anyway, it's a joy. I get so excited about being in here. Isn't it good? Aren't you glad we have plenty of room and room to grow? Isn't that good? I like it. Let me dismiss our seniors ahead of the crowd. Brother Swartz, if you'll come to dismiss us in prayer and ask the Lord's blessings. I baptized the last two Sunday mornings, and it's fine with me to baptize every Sunday morning. But I'm going to get out and shake hands with folks that are going out, and thank you for coming and being in church today. Six o'clock this evening. I want to encourage you to be here for church. It'll still be daylight after church is over. And thank you for bringing friends and being in church. Oh, if you're a visitor today, stop by the, uh, uh, the welcome desk out there and get you a coffee cup. They'll ask you for a visitor card. Just, just put your name and address on there. But, uh, but get a coffee cup so you can drink a cup of coffee this week and think about the church and be reminded of being in church on next Sunday. All right, Brother Swartz. Let's bow for prayer together. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this place that you've provided for us. We're grateful for that. But we're grateful for it, Lord, because when we're here, we are focused on you. And our minds are geared towards you. And the word of God is lifted up. And the truths of your word are preached and proclaimed faithfully Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. May we be in our place. May we be attentive to what you have for us. Thank you for this truth this morning. Thank you for your precious promises. Thank you for you being so precious in our lives. Lord, help us to share your preciousness with other people so that they may know that they can
be on their way to heaven for sure. Thank you for using us to work in the lives of others. Lord, I pray you bless now all the ministries that go on across these properties and across Lexington and the surrounding areas today. Do the work and lives that you want done. Thank you for the opportunity to be here in your house today. Bring us back together again tonight for another great service. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.